Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast. I'm your host, Blake, and we're here with the best host in the galaxy. First off, we have the ever-elusive Grant. Hello there. The funny one, Wesley. What's up, dorks? Our own Jedi Archive. Dietrich. Is this pod racing? And for the first time ever, we have a female guest on the show. Welcome, friend of the show, Molly. I find your lack of females disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That's great. So uh, Molly is a friend to most of us on the podcast. She's not just a friend of the show. She's a friend of everyone on the show, except maybe Grant. I don't think she's ever met Grant in real life, but it's okay. It's cool. They're friends now. We're all cool. Molly, I ask every single guest that's on here, what is your history with Star Wars? Um, briefly, obviously, we don't want like a, you know a thirty minute exposition. I but, want uh, that briefly. What is your? I want a thirty minute <laughs> exposition. I need an hour long master thesis statement on my desk by Monday. Oh, no. Well, uh, just briefly, what is your history with Star Wars? What do you love about it? What's kept you engaged? Uh... Well, I guess my first memory with Star Wars, I had like a sleepover with one of my friends, and I remember watching it. Uh, then it was had no part of my life until adulthood. Um, my now husband, when, I were, when he and I were dating, uh, we decided to watch the original trilogy uh, for May the 4th, um, many years ago. And since then, it's just kind of drawn me in because I had memories of watching it as a kid. And what really drew me in were the creatures. I'm a big Muppet nerd. So anything that looks Jim Henson-esque, I'm totally in. So all of the creatures that I saw, like the Ewoks on Endor, I loved the Tauntauns, all of that stuff just really drew me in, and I've been hooked ever since. Anything Warwick Davis can fit into, like a furry suit, she's down. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds way worse than it should have. You you did not have to add that. (laughs) But that's awesome. Uh, Molly's a friend of all of us. Her husband, James, is also a friend of all of us. We, we uh, love these people. Great people. Let's get into it. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. So getting into our Star Wars news, Anthony Daniels is playing C-3PO once again for like the 5,000th time, maybe. Um, he has posted stuff on, was it Twitter or Instagram? One or the other. It was Twitter. Where he is, it was Twitter. So he is in a mocap suit, um, portraying C-3PO for some unknown Star Wars project. What could it be? C-3PO, a story. A Star Wars story. Yes. I, it was like yes. a hashtag on it where it was supposed to be like a droid story. So I think it is actually going to be 3PO and R2 going on an adventure. Maybe a reboot of yeah, that think- uh, cringy animated series that came out in the 80s. Droids. Droids. Yeah. I watched that the other day. It wasn't that bad. I didn't see those. I had Ewoks growing up, but and I, so I always saw the preview for Droids. So the only thing that was in there that I remember was Anthony Daniels saying, We're doomed. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. It, it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was good for the time. I think that a R2-D2 C-3PO team up for the uh, series of droids, I think it's going to be animated, would be a great addition. 
So you're saying it's an animated version of the uh, comic book story where C-3O gets his red arm confirmed. I mean, that'd be cool. I'd like to see that. Hey, did you guys see he had a red arm? He did in A Force Awakens. It's a big deal. It is. Is it canon? Is it even canon now? I mean, I don't know. We're just still we're I mean, still debating that. It yeah. is, but it isn't. But it is. Not in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not canon in Grant's heart, it's not canon. Grant is uh Listen Grant is canon. Any canon that is involved with Grand Admiral Thrawn, it doesn't matter if it happened in one universe and in another, it's all canon to me. As long as Thrawn's there, it's canon. So Palpatine is the Senate, Grant is the canon. Um, I'm glad we've established this. But um, I, I would really like to see Anthony Daniels back, of course. Anytime we can get that C-3PO character, he's so iconic. Like, when you think about Star Wars, the constant in Star Wars is R2-D2 and C-3PO. Except for the sequel trilogy where they're in it here and there. But most of the time we have R2-D2, C-3PO. They're very iconic, for sure. So, DICE is coming out with some Star Wars games. It is pretty much confirmed that one of those is a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which was an amazing game. I don't think it's going to be called Jedi Fallen Order 2, but it's it's got to have Cal Kestis in it, right? Obviously. I mean, uh, he survived the first game, didn't he? He did. Spoilers. And- well, spoilers. Po- spoiler alert for a game that came out two years ago, but he survives, and I, I can't wait to see what happens. Like, would, is he around in the post-Empire era? Could he show up in, you know, Ahsoka or some kind of other media that we get? I, I don't know. And Could he be slaughtered at the me. Jedi Temple by the Knights of Ren? We don't know. Maybe. Maybe. That would be kind of dissatisfying. I like, I like these games that give you a little bit of canon information that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Because didn't, didn't the first game like reveal something? No. Um, there's pretty much a hollow crime. Yeah. That has all the four sensitive children in it. Like they had, they know where all the four sensitive children are in the galaxy at that time. I don't know how it's updated or how it's kept. I don't know if it's like a self update. I think it's at the I time. No idea. Wasn't it at the time of the purge? Of Order sixty six, yeah, but wasn't that I, also I in Rebels? That's it true. doesn't up, it doesn't update. It's just like this is the most recent data they had, right? I think that's also in Rebels though, because they had the two Inquisitors that were going around trying to get. Uh... Nope, I'm taking that back. That was in Clone Wars when Cad Bane got the holocron with all the Jedi children in. That's what yeah, it was. It's a thing. They uh, yeah. they tend to use it a lot. They also use it in a canon comic with um, what's the librarian's name? Uh, oh, Jocasta New. Uh, Jocasta knew. She survives the purge, and she's trying to rebuild the order using another list of Force-sensitive kids. So maybe there's like ten copies of this thing just floating around in the galaxy, and <laughs> people have it. Like I don't know, xeroxing some of this. They sent out a mass email as uh, Order sixty six was going on to all the Jedi that survived, and click the attachment to delete them. Yeah. No, this is a phishing email. We can't open this. Um, <laughs> that that would be pretty sad, actually. <laughs> Jocasta knew, like she survived for all of like. A week and a half after the Jedi Purge, and then Darth Vader just destroyed her. That was, that Dang, was kind of satisfying. She she was the first Jedi he killed after he bled his first lightsaber crystal. Like, to be honest, though, I wasn't even that sad. I wasn't sad about it. Like, I nobody really liked, liked her. her. She was very yeah. rude in Attack she was. of Clones. She was a prude, man. <laughs> like, I know everything. If it doesn't exist in the files, then it 
doesn't exist ever anywhere. Mm. Like, whatever. Shut up, lady. Um, <laughs> but we also have two to three other games that DICE is producing that we have no idea what they're about. Probably not Battlefront 3. Which that got shot down, so see. it's okay. It's not that. Don't get your hopes yeah. up. It got shot down? No. Yeah, EA said, yeah. uh, no. That's terrible. Yeah, it is. I would like to see DICE, uh, like, develop I'm, a, I'm okay game. as... You know, I don't want to see EA's hands on another Battlefront anything. Please keep your hands off of it. Well, what, what if EA said no because someone else was already developing another Battlefront and it's like, hey, I'm great. doing this. So, I mean, could happen. Now that EA no longer has exclusive publishing rights, it's it's a possibility. Spoiler alert here, they could be pulling an Andrew Garfield at this point. Or a Tobey Maguire. <laughs> or a Tobey Maguire. But uh, I'm interested to see what these games are. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure on this. Would the uh, the new Star Wars game... Uh, what were we talking about? A Star Wars Eclipse. Would Eclipse. that be a DICE game or no? Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Quanta, uh, Quantic Dream is developing, uh, is developing Eclipse. Oh, I've never heard of that company. Neither have I. Me neither. I hope, I hope they do a good job. That'd be cool yeah. if they did. Um, um, but these other games, like... I don't know, maybe remakes, maybe some... Who knows? Yeah. Well, we still got the word of the KOTOR remake as well, which I think that's what BioWare is doing, if I remember correctly. Right. That would that would make sense. Yeah, I, I really can't wait for that, man. That's that's going to be great. I just recently got the old KOTOR game on my Switch. Um, I paid like 10 bucks for it. It's a fantastic game. I still love playing it every now and again. It is. Even playing through it again, like, it is still cutting edge Fort's time. It's still a great story. I like playing it. Um, it looks like we've pretty much ran out of, like, dice news. We have no idea what they're doing. So there's there's no more news there. <laughs> but maybe I would like to bring a, it. Uh, I was about to say, maybe they're making a Wesley Mace Windu game, and, uh, you know, Wesley can't talk about it because he's under NDA currently. Dude, I'd love to see some, like, Mace Windu and Wesley. I mean, I know they had a recent, like, squabble, divorce, separation, whatever you want to call it. It's all right. We're very but, open about it. But I think it's announced that it is a strategy game. Whatever's going to... Well, at least one of the games is going to be a strategy game. So, um, like, if you like puzzles. I was about to say Empire at War 2. It, sa- it sounds like Wesley's pretty well versed on this. Maybe maybe there's some truth to this uh, Wesley and Mace Windu uh, video game thing. I, w- I would love to see Wesley in a video game. I- I'd buy it. <laughs> well, thank you. It's all about the relationship. It starts off good in Rocket League, and then uh, <laughs> it goes downhill, and it hits the rocks hard. You can almost say it flew out the window. Or the window. Or the window. So we have some disturbing news. There is a great disturbance in the force. I have felt it. We got something wrong. And um, I'm not someone who believes that they're always right. Our show is not always right. They're just vet the things we tell you. If it's not, not in our correct. archives, it doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, Jocasta Diedrich. Just <laughs> shut it. Um, so Grant aggressively asserted that there are six episodes in the Book of Boba Fett. I was mistaken. He was mistaken, and I just, I blindly followed him. I said there were six episodes, too, just because he said it, because I trust Grant. And Listen I, here. I, I put my trust in the wrong person. <laughs> I tried the dark side are... of the force is strong. You followed. <laughs> I tried to straight, I tried to lead you on the right path, but. No, you didn't. You kept I, silent. I asked the question. 
<laughs> I'm like, you asked the question, but did not say. But you did not say. I know there are seven. You have episodes. to. Uh, you have to say it with authority. I figured you were. I figured y'all would figure it out when the seventh episode comes on. <laughs> I knew, Thank but you, I Molly. wasn't there. The plan was next week after we record the sixth episode. That's it. That's the end. It's really weird. I left it on a really weird cliffhanger. You know, we, we just kind of leave it there and just hope it picks up someday. <laughs> so, uh, basically, what I've got out of this conversation is don't listen to Dork Wars podcast. Just follow Molly. She knows all the uh, updates. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> but we do. We try to stay on top of it. I when, I when I heard Grant say, when I heard Grant say that there's only six episodes, I said, no, Grant, you're wrong. I got funny looks from the people around me because I forgot I had my AirPods in and... Um, He's talking out loud. I was in public. Yeah. You, you see, me and Molly have had conversations, and uh, we hadn't met before tonight, so. <laughs> so, uh, it's confirmed that Molly does listen to the show. She is a, a big fan on top of a friend of the show. It's it's great. I'm, I'm glad Molly's on. I, I, I'm going to say it again. I'm glad she is here with us. I'm happy to be here. So, let's move on now. Dork Wars, the podcast, has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. So we have Dork Wars the t-shirt. We have Dork Wars the hoodie. We have Dork Wars the coffee cup. We also have Dork Wars the Grogru scrunchie. Oh, God. We have Dork Wars the Grogru scrunchie. One minute, 37 seconds later. God, that is really hard to say. We have Dork Wars the Grogru scrunchie. Hey, I said it right that time. You did. Close enough. So, if you want to wear Dork Wars on your person, if you listen to our podcast, if you like what we're doing, if you think our logo's cool, I don't even care. Just wear it on your person. Advertise for us. We'd love to have you wear some Dork Wars stuff. So, this week, we have a promo code for the Dork Wars merch store, and that is going to be Scrunchies, as in Grogu Scrunchies, but it's just going to be Scrunchies, and that is spelled... Grant, uh, enlighten us. How do you spell Scrunchies? I don't know how to spell that, so... <laughs> <laughs> S C R U N C H I E S Scrunchies. I like how he passed that off because he didn't know how to spell it. No, <laughs> I didn't know how to spell it. So, so Grant is in charge of our merch store and he spells it. So I'd, I'd rather him spell it and get it right than me spell it and get it wrong. Well, according to Google, that is how it's spelled. So if it's wrong, ladies out there, blame Google. So check it out. Um, just type in Dork Wars Linktree on Google, and you will find our uh, merchandise store right on Linktree. So thank you very much for that. We are also part of a conglomerate of other dorky podcasts, Star Wars podcasts, and that is the Red 5 Network. So we're going to run that promo right now. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. So tonight we are talking about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, The Return of the Mandalorian. So tonight we are talking about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. Uh, excuse me. We are talking about Book of Boba Fett Season 1, Episode 5. Um, I see what you did it, there. Yeah, it's kind of confusing, though. I mean, I don't, who is I who anymore? It. I don't even, I don't, oh, there's there's a there's a guy with a the mask. There's another guy with the mask. I don't I just can't keep track. 
One's shiny, one's green. Well, one of the guys wasn't there. It's weird. Like, what in the world? Why, why is there two and we're missing one? Can there only be one on screen at a time? Is that the deal? It costs a lot more to have both, maybe. I didn't catch the error until, like, halfway through the episode. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Book of Boba Fett, not Mandalorian. <laughs> no, no, no. They told you in the very beginning, it says Return of the Mandalorian. They weren't talking about the character. They are saying the show was back now. Like, the rest of the season of Book of Boba Fett, it's following him. It's over. They, they knew the Boba Fett thing was trash, but they had already made five episodes or four episodes and said, well, uh, how can we salvage this? Well, let's just make it Mandal. Bring them in. <laughs> Bring in the Mandalorian. This is Mandalorian season two point five now. Attention. Spoilers. So, spoiler alert: If you have not seen Book of Boba Fett, this is not a good time for you to listen to our podcast. Go back, watch Boba Fett uh, chapter five, then come back and listen to our podcast. But, anyways, what do you guys think about? this episode like i know this is a major shift there is no boba fett in this episode this is totally about the mandalorian this is setting up the mandalorian story i think it would be unjust to just keep going and talk about it like it's a book of boba fett episode it's not like this is literally setting up the mandalorian season three right yeah yes this was mandalorian season two and a half <laughs> you see molly's on board with it I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I was excited. It got me excited for Mandalorian Season 3. But this was not Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It was the best Book of Boba Fett episode, and it wasn't a Book of Boba Fett episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so let me, let, let me say this. I'm going to say my, my piece real quick. I'm going to keep oh, it here simple it right now. Just one sentence. I hated it the first Two times I watched the episode, I was like, so we're only going to get seven episodes of Book of Boba Fett, and they're going to do one entire episode with no Boba Fett. I didn't like it, didn't care for it, kind of made me upset, but I've been probably more pro Book of Boba Fett than I think Grant over here, so we'll probably argue about that in a little bit. But <laughs> getting back to my other Wait point, a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> well, maybe this means that Grant was right. That there really are only six episodes of the Book of Boba Fett because this you is see, I was right. not Book of it's Boba Fett. Oh. You see, I had the inside information. I was under NDA. Um, you know, yeah. they, they, I'm not convinced the next episode is going to be a Book of Boba Fett episode either, though. I think it's going to be another Mandalorian episode. Or at least half and half. I am only okay with this if we see Grogu. So I will say that, like... Uh, Molly hit it on the head. This seems like Mandalorian season 2.5. We're kind of getting set up for that season three. We noted that he's not with Bo-Katan anymore, which is something that's surprising to me. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, um, it was a great episode. It was a great episode. I like seeing the Mandalorian. I like the whole setup. But I don't like it in the book of Boba Fett because it has nothing to do with Boba Fett. Like, I feel like that this episode overshadows anything that we have seen previous. Well, well, I mean, I can't say that I was surprised because we heard the Mandalorian theme at the end of episode right. four when she right. said, what, was she, I don't want to misquote her, treasure buys muscle and we need muscle. And then we heard, ooh. Yeah. Credits, credits buy muscle or money buys muscle or yes, whatever she yeah. said. Yeah. It was something like Kinda. That. money, muscle. <laughs> something like that, yeah. And we heard his theme, so we knew this was coming. And this, and this series has a record of bringing in a promise or bringing in a hint and fulfilling that the very next episode. 
this is something I can say about Book of Mandal. Uh, excuse me, not Book of Mandalorian. Jeez, I am so off base here, but maybe not. Maybe that's what they should have titled. I it. would. I would argue it's almost. <laughs> I would argue that they're really about the same story, and I'll, I'll get it's, into that later. Yeah, it seems like it, but the Book of Boba Fett introduces things, and then there's an immediate payoff. Like we get Black Crescenton in that yeah. second episode. The next episode, we see him like beat up. Uh, Boba Fett, he gets released. The and next episode, he's joining Boba Fett. Um, we get the Hut twins, and the next episode, they're gone. Like we get so much, um, I guess teases, teases, and then we get payoffs. And it's like I've never seen a show. I've never seen a show that was so ready to like give all the payoffs the next episode. Like there's usually things that are set up for like the season finale or the mid season finale or whatever you want to call it. And it seems like Book of Boba Fett is just like, we're going to give you something, and then we're going to resolve it the very next episode. Well, that's because they only have five episodes. I'm on board with Dietrich here. Uh, think about what <laughs> Mandalorian... <laughs> think about they what got the seven, man. They got seven. Think about what he said at the at the end of the episode, though. He said he'd been going to go see Grogu, and we just talked about how they paid off the next episode. So where do you think we're going next episode? Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not so sure. Wrong. Because, yeah, uh, like, I don't no, think this, so either. My- I agree with Wesley. I I don't think we're gonna see anything. Like my prediction is season three, episode one, we're gonna get that flashback, but that, yes, that they've exactly. become oh so famous for now, I feel like, just because we had so many flashbacks in the previous episode. That first episode is gonna be a flashback to where he goes and visits Grogu and then comes back to help Boba Fett. You don't you don't think he's gonna bring Grogu? No, he can't interrupt his training. Clearly, that didn't work well out for, for Luke. You cannot interrupt the training. This is my argument against that. Go because Grant. we know he's going to go see him before the fight happens. And if he shows up without him, then we already know what's going to happen. It's kind of cheap. It's like, okay, eh. And also, okay, they, with the Starfighter, they didn't just yank out the droid port. It, 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 yeah, they did he, the cockpit. It's, it's perfect. It is perfect for that, Baby Yoda. That's set, that's set up for later, like Mandalorian I don't think so, season. No, that, yeah. that's next episode. That's next, next episode. episode. It's Book of Boba Fett, man. They, Book of Boba Fett. All, Blake just went into it, man. Book of Boba Fett always <laughs> goes ahead and like pays off in the next episode. Yeah. I, it's, that's why it's not called Mandalorian 2.5. It's called Book of Boba Fett because they're going to pay off the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, agree, I, I agree with myself, I guess. Uh, I agree with Diedrich, who agrees with me, who agrees with the fact that um the the uh, book of Boba Fett does immediately pay off everything, and he talked about seeing Grogu, and my immediate thought was like, we gotta see, we we gotta go see him. Like I'd love to see. They Grogu. melted I- down the spear. They melted that spear, and I hated that. I hated yeah. that they melted down the spear. Um, okay, so question: Are we gonna go in- through any kind of order? Or are we just gonna kind of go off the cuff here? Because I gotta. Let, let's cut. just we can we can go. Let's go through an order. I, I'm. This is basically just a summary at this point. Um, I, I love hearing what you guys think about the episode in general, but we'll go in an order in a minute. Just if you have anything like general to say, just go on and say it, man. Yeah. Um, going off what we just talked about quickly, one more thing. Tamora Morrison did say we would not expect we what they have coming, and so what what's bigger and not more unexpected than bringing Mark Hamill back for the second time? And uh, having Grogu there too. I'll tell you what, I will rival that. What is more unexpected than bringing Jar Jar Binks in as the uh, major antagonist for this series? Jar Jar Binks and Mace Windu teamed up. Question For the Ahsoka series, have they already said who's playing Sabine Wren? 
Oh, uh, let me see. Did we get I, confirmation I did, on that? I think we saw. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll look. At I mean, it. I know. I know we were throwing around Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen because that's kind of weird. Uh, yes, it is Natasha Liu uh, Bordizo. So I'm kind of willing to bet money we're going to see Sabine Wren before the Ahsoka series. I'm not sure if it's going to be in this or Mandalorian season three, but I have a feeling we're going to see her soon before Ahsoka I've comes lost, out. I've I, lost track of I don't like think what so. comes next because they keep postponing everything. Because it, they by Disney. I don't think we'll see her again uh, beforehand because on the uh, end of Rebels, we see Ahsoka go to her and that's right after what she found out with, you know, Then why uh, do we see Ahsoka in Mandalorian? Because She's that's when, that's that's right before she goes to Sabine to go look for Ezra because she just figured out where he, where Thrawn was. Well, do we know when Ahsoka the White comes into play? Like, uh, like go go back leave. and watch in, in, Re- the in Rebels in Rebels they leave to go find um what's his name Ezra yeah Thrawn. Ezra he's, before, he's with Thrawn. before the end they go do that before the end no, of that's the after Civil a five War. year time skip go back and watch it. it's five year time skip I'll have to do that. It's five-year time skip, and then it lines up perfectly with the Mandalorian because it's it when is like, the Mandalorian. It is, it is like the last scene in Rebels. I think maybe it's either Hera and uh, little Jason Sandula, or it's um, Ahsoka the White with uh, Ahsoka the White Sabine Wren. Yeah, well, well, she's got she's got the white cloak on. She is she is such an allegory for Gandalf. We can get that. We can get into that in another episode. <laughs> I'm telling you, Ahsoka is Gandalf. Ahsoka the White and Orange. I never heard this, but I like it. <laughs> the last scene takes place five years after the Battle of Endor is what they say. So, um, Okay, I guess that would line up roughly. Yeah, it, it lines up. Roughly, roughly. And I think Star Wars has always kind of been a roughly timeline. Yeah, t- thing, time right? is funny. Time is funny, right? Like it's, what's, a rot- what's a rotation? It's like Doctor Who's going to show up anytime. <laughs> Some wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I don't like time in my fantasy. So let's get into the uh, the structure of the episode just a little bit. We don't have to go completely in order, but this opening scene with the butcher shop, we see the uh, Clatoonians going around like butchering meat. Maybe they're Bantha, maybe they're Dewbacks. Who knows what they're butchering in there? And all of a sudden, who do we see? And we've already said it's the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. <laughs> Kind of ironic that this butcher shop, like that, like the alien species that's there, like they look like hogs, and so and they're the butchers, and so right. Isn't this the same species that had that assault walker or the ATST in that one episode where they had to defend the village? I think it's the same race, dude. I thought the same thing. It is. It is the same race, and also while we're there, it was actually directed by the same person, Bryce Dallas Howard, directed both episodes. So do you think she has a thing for pig people or do you think it's just like a episodic thing like she has a thing with doing uh, introducing characters in shows in which they weren't originally intended. She directed two episodes of The Mandalorian, the one that uh brought us uh Cara Dune. That was her debut episode. Then she did season 2 episode where uh uh let me think here. Oh yes. Our great and wonderful Mandalorians as in our plural, our three grouping of Mandalorians being led by, uh, dear God, why am I blanking on her name right now? The Armorer. Hmm? Bo-Katan? Yeah, Bo-Katan. Oh. She, she directed the episode with Bo-Katan, 
uh, introduction. And then this one where the Mandalorian just takes over. Bryce Dallas Howard has got a uh, a pretty big handle on uh, the Mandalorian. She does a great job directing those episodes. And we see some of those similarities in this episode to The Mandalorian. Like, this is basically an episode of The Mandalorian. I know we've said this before, but it, it holds true. Um, this meat-packing pl- plant, this butcher shop, if you will, is just apparently run by, like, some kind of mafia of pig people, the Clutonians. And Mando comes in, and he tells the guy, he's like, look, um, I know who you are. You're the guy I'm looking for. He tries to deny it. And he brings in his classic line. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. And what happens? Like, they they don't want to be brought in cold. So they start fighting him. I like how the guy tried to deny it. And he's like, I got you on camera. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah, dude. They they even try to, like, make, uh, make Din Djarin like a racist. He's like, man, that don't even look like me. Like, you're stereotyping me. Like, do I look like all the other Clatonians? Like, no. Nah, dude. This is definitely you. <laughs> and I, just, I just thought it was funny. Like, he tried to deny that, like, that was him in the picture. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the funniest parts of this episode. It was like, I, I, this, is, this is you. And he's like, no, this is not me. That don't even look like me. It makes me think of that, that SpongeBob meme. Um, I'm probably gonna tell us wrong, but it's, it's like Patrick with the wallet. He's like, "This is your wallet." <laughs> and the guy's like, "No, it's not. <laughs> this is your driver's license." Yes, 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 it is. Is this your wallet? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, like Mando, like kicks butt in this scene. Like he starts to take out all these Clatonians. He's hitting this one, hitting that one. He takes out the dark saber, which we've all been waiting for. That was an iconic scene. Yeah. I think I love seeing him just wail on people with that thing but in this scene we see that he not only wields it but he does not have the strength or the knowledge to wield it yet like he cuts his own like leg at that first problem my very first problem with this episode right there right there that was it my first one yeah we're five minutes in the problem What's the problem? Yeah, the problem here? Moff Gideon could wield it just fine. And Moff Gideon is not nearly as strong as Din Djarin. There's no way. And Sabine and Wren has... could also wield it. Sabine Wren never had How long does Moff Gideon have it? it? Moff Gideon, I don't know. Moff Gideon knows who he is. I think Din Djarin is questioning who he is a little bit at this point. I know that that might be too deep, mm. but I... That no. is deep. That's the female's perspective. I That's feel like great. he's questioning himself a little bit because of what happens later in the episode. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. He is conflicted internally, and that is harming his external ability to wield the blade. That's kind of parallel to like the Book of Boba Fett, too, if you think about it. But yeah, good, well, good point, I mean, Molly. But, but Din Djarin has literally just lost the thing that he was protecting. Like He was a bounty hunter. He made money. He got Beskar. That was his thing. Right, and then he finds Grogu, and that's his that's his dude. Like Grogu is his charge. He loves Grogu. Uh, the the more he has him, the more that he grows closer to him, and then he just gives him away to Luke Skywalker. Who is Din Djarin now? Because Bo Katan is apparently not with Din Djarin at this time. He is alone by himself. He's doing bounties just to find out information about where the armorer is. We find that out later in the episode. But, like, he, I agree with Molly at this point. 
he is alone. He is kind of figuring out who he is now without Grogu. I'm still insulted by the fact that Moff Gideon could wield it just fine. I don't know. It, just, it doesn't make sense to me. He is a trained soldier. Yeah. Moff Gideon might have been in the ISB, but he's barely a warrior at all. I, but I, did I don't he think it's a strength great? thing. Mando beat him, even though he had a dark saber. So is right, he but, that great? But Gideon didn't have that, like, like, oh, I gotta lift the sword. It's so heavy, I can't lift it. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it. Would, I don't think it was a strength thing. I think it was just like a longevity of who's had it longer. So I think in time, I think we'll see a better result with. Mando. Now the problem with the longevity thing is that the other people who wielded the dark saber, like um, say um, Sabine, Sabine Wren, yeah, she, she didn't have a problem wielding it right away. Now she didn't know how to fight with it very well, and she gets trained on it from Kanan Jarrus. But I think it has something to do with um, probably like they were saying, he's just conflicted. He doesn't know who he is really, and ultimately Moff Gideon had those dark saber for a longer time, so he may have struggled at first, and we don't know because we haven't seen him when he first gets it. And Sabine Wren was also having an internal struggle when she was learning with Kanan how to wield it too, but she didn't have yeah, that issue true. of like being unable to lift it up. She was learning how to strike with it and learning how to do different like techniques, but to lift it up, she was fine. And that just it doesn't make sense that he's like, oh, it's so heavy. Yeah, so I see what I'm, you're saying there. So I'm gonna agree with Diedrich here. And I often do. I agree with all of you sometimes. But I'm going to agree with Diedrich this time. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make sense in the long run, I guess. Because Sabine Wren never had like that so heavy, blah, 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 blah. I can't wield it, this, that, and the other, where Din Djarin did. And Moff, Moff Gideon, we didn't see that with him either. But... What does get me is, it's like every move that he had, it became harder to use. Like, it wasn't, like, just at the beginning. Because we see him taking out the Clatonians, and he's he's doing a pretty good job with it until he strikes himself, right? So it seems like it is it is a longevity thing. Like, the more he uses it, the heavier it gets, this, that, and the other. And I agree that Sabine Wren did not have that same problem. And I think that's an inconsistency. I think that's an inconsistency between shows. Right there. It, there's some kind of force, some kind of power with wielding the Darksaber that it carries a heavy weight to it. Not not physically, but just like maybe mentally. And I, I think we'll learn more about that with, with the future of Star Wars. So real quick, I think that's a cool callback because back in the day, it was assumed that you could not wield a lightsaber unless you had the force. That it was so heavy that you could not wield a lightsaber unless you were like a Jedi or a Sith or you, you had the force really strong with you or whatever. So I and think then there was Finn. A, and then there was Finn. And um, Han. And Han. So I mean I don't think it was a I don't think it was like a really defined theory, but it was like I think it was some kind of circumstantial evidence in some books back in the EU. Um so it's it's I think it's kind of a callback to that. It's it's pretty cool to see. I wish they would have had that motif through maybe Sabine Wren wielding it and through Moff Gideon wielding it. But, you know, I think it's an interesting aspect. I just wish it would have had some kind of a corroborating story in the past. Well, one big difference between Din Djarin and, uh, you know, Sabine Wren is Sabine Wren was born into the family that had initially created the blade. So maybe because she had the bloodline, she didn't have to worry so much with the issues. But Din Djarin being a foundling may have, you know, had more issues from it because he's maybe not being seen as a true Mandalorian from the blade itself. 
I guess, but that's just assuming that the blade has some kind of sentience, which I don't, I don't it's know. Con- I don't, it's I don't subdued with a force and seen as a as a symbol of power, so maybe. I don't know the answer to this, so genuine question. Does the Darksaber have a kyber crystal in it? I would assume so. I would assume so just because um, later on in the episode, we find out that Tar Vizsla is the one that created the Darksaber. So nuke Disney canon is kyber crystals played by Harry Potter wand rules. They're kind of like alive. <laughs> Molly, any, anything to add to, to the wands in Harry Potter? Okay, so I wasn't listening because I was Googling, uh, oh, does geez. the Darksaber have a kyber crystal? Crystal. So say, say your question again. Sorry. Does the Darksaber have a kyber crystal? Uh, according to my Google search, yes. So... Again, new Disney canon, each kyber crystal kind of like calls to its particular youngling or forced the user. The one chooses the wizard, Mr. Porter. Boom, I knew she was going to do something with it. I love it. This, this one has done great but terrible things. Terrible but great. Well, yeah. Now that I think about it, because think about when Ezra gets his kyber crystal, it calls out to him, too, in, in Rebels. So it is very yes. possible that the kyber well, crystal is the reason. It's like, you're not, he may be saying, hey, you're not worthy of this. And it's just well, like, so no. doesn't Luke's saber call out to Rey in episode seven? Eh, let's not go into the, the sequels. It's, well, it's no, crazy. I'm, uh, I'm going to go into it a little bit because this is something I wasn't anticipating in this conversation. Um, this this breakdown of the episode, but it seems like in New Disney canon, it really is a Harry Potter, the wand chooses the wizard kind of thing. When we talk about the uh, the kyber crystals, back in the day, it just seemed like they were crystals on a planet that Jedi went to harvest just to make lightsabers. Now, they were not alive. They were not alive. But now it seems that when you go get a kyber crystal, it's pretty much blank. Like It's, it's like white. And when you put it and you put uh, get the kyber crystal and you give it to yourself, it gives it its own color. No, yes, it really is. Go back and watch Rebels when when uh, no, uh, but that Ezra was was well, that the colors all stand for something, right? Even even in Disney canon, they still have colors. Now the way that the Sith get theirs is they bleed the crystal red, or Ahsoka turned a red crystal white by purifying it. Right. But they are typically green or yellow or blue. So maybe I've re- maybe I've misread something or misseen something. But it seems like pretty much that when a Jedi gets a crystal, it becomes the color that it is because of the personality or the whatever the Jedi is or the Sith or well, no, not the Sith. The Sith always bleed their stuff. So you're talking about that rebel, not the rebels, the uh, Clone Wars episode with the younglings getting. Their yeah, crystal but that was it, that you're was right, and it was it's technically pre Disney canon. But it Disney was, it, included that in yeah. their canon. So I don't know whether it's a discrepancy, but it I've seemed- always thought about it as it's it's a very bright cavern. Like they can't quite get the colors until it's closer to them physically. They're just kind of seeing light reflected off of stuff. It's a little oh, bit fuzzier. I, so I this think is, it's more of a go ahead. So it's pretty abstract, is what you're saying. This is all an abstract I think so. idea. <laughs> you can think whatever you want to because it's abstract. My my point was that maybe I'm thinking a little too. I'm, maybe I'm being a little too hard on Din Djarin here. Maybe the Kyber Crystal is in a way alive, and it's kind of adding to the frustration of 
Din Djarin right now. Well, I, well it definitely seems like the Kyber Crystals are alive in New Disney canon. We have, we have the Kyber Crystal calling out to Rey. We have the Kyber Crystals being bled um, to make Sith lightsabers. Like, I mean, you can't make something bleed that isn't alive, right? I mean, it's just, you know? So, yep. this just in, there is a theory that the Darksaber is powered by Beskar. Is that even possible? So, does, can is Beskar produce by what? a saber? Beskar. No. I mean, maybe a Beskar-infused crystal of some sort. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know. Like the hill, the hill. I could see the hill's made of best car. They say that in the episode, right? I mean, well, I mean, this article might be total poodoo, but poodoo. Uh, but it has to have a kyber crystal. That's the core of a of a lightsaber. Even but in this the is a diff- it is a different. It's a different kind of lightsaber. It's not really like that classic lightsaber. Right. Though, it's so. not it looks, even it shaped looks... like it. It's shaped more like a sword. You got to remember. Right. It almost he, looks like guy, a katana. A lot of lightsabers reflect their users themselves think about kylo ren's lights where it's unstable you know yeah and but so he made it th- this, he made it that, that way is, yeah that was it that wasn't was made to be that way it wasn't unstable because he was unstable it was unstable because he could not create a lightsaber well enough to disperse the power of the crystal he had to make those exhaust ports to uh sustain the power of that crystal that was not stable yeah, but it's still, if we look at the whole films, it, it's still a reflection of his psychology. He's he's shattered. He's broken. He isn't who he's supposed to be. I can agree he, with that. It's an allegory. It's a film thing. Yeah. But I was I, I was putting it with um, the uh, dark side was made by Mandalorian, and what are Mandalorians new, known for during that time? Being warriors. So, of course, he's going to make it to be exactly what he wants it to be, and what he's most comfortable with is probably going to be a sword of some sort, a Mandalorian. But he didn't make it. Sword. He Tar the Vizsla Tar Vizsla made it thousands of years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tar Vizsla made it that way. Oh, okay, okay. I thought we were talking about the Mandalorian here. No, Tar Vizsla made it that way because he's the one who crafted it. So he's going to make so, it to reflect himself. I would like to see some background on what the dark saber is made from. We know that the handle is made out, of, or the hilt rather, is made out of Beskar. We know that um, it is. It's super pure. It's like the best Beskar yet we've seen. That it well the the uh, Mandalorian the armor, armor is pure Beskar though, isn't it? Well, the armor pretty close. It, it makes it sound like it makes it sound like the dark saber is made from even stronger somehow Beskar armor than his actual armor. Remember, he looks at it and the armor even looks at it and she's like, "Yeah, this was made thousands of years ago." It's like Beskar infused Beskar. So we got we got we got Beskar and we got Beskar Plus to to make the dark saber. Beskar Plus. So moving on now, just so we don't get get kind of hung up on this, um, Mando does get the information, finds the armor on this big old ring. What's the big ring thing called? Like, do we know what that's called? Do do we know where that is? Was that the ring of Kafreen that we've seen in Rogue One? No clue, but it was a ring, so maybe. It's an it's an outer rim mining thing on an asteroid, and there's like several rings. I don't know if this was the same one or not, but that's my assumption. Regardless, it's it looks really cool. It, it did look cool. I it like did it. look really cool. It was it was a really good thing to see. Like that was cool. We see something like that in a lot of sci fi movies, so I'm glad Star Wars incorporated something like it. I do. So we do find that Mando finds the armor based on the information that he gets from 
Hold up, you're skipping past a great cinematography scene that I know Andrew would love to hear if he was here to be able to talk about, which is the one-shot scene that they take from Mandalorian getting in the elevator, riding all the way up, talking to him, riding all the way down, and till he finds the armor. It's a one-shot, never cuts. It's amazing. It looks great. It's perfect. I agree. It, it was a good shot. I just had to put it in there since Andrew isn't here to talk about it. You know, I know he I, would. I channel my inner Andrew and say he agrees. He agrees. That was that was pretty incredible. Yeah, I like how he's in the elevator. You know and he looks I think at- I think my inner Andrew is talking to me right now, and I think he's he's saying something. One hundred percent. Yes, that's what he's saying. I feel the Use force. The force. I hear Andrew right now. He's telling me that was a hundred percent. That was the scene I loved. Thank you, Andrew, for should, for coming to me. N- no, see, me. no, see, no, no, you can episode- hear him because the force ghost now. But we should it, bring him in, make him clap real quick. In the, <laughs> in the shot, just seeing, just seeing Mando, he starts off like, you know, strong, and then he just gets weaker as it goes. It's just nice to see. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a good episode. It was a good episode. It was a good scene. Like he looks at a little fish-faced alien dude. And the fish-faced alien dude looks back at him, and he looks down. It's like it's a, it's kind of an awkward scene, to be honest, though. Like it's kind of awkward, but yeah. I like it because the There's Mandalorian. A head in the bag. It is because Mandalorian, like he's he's not one for words. He's like old Boba Fett. He doesn't talk very much. And like this hey, dude and- looks at him, like, "What are you doing?" And then he's like, uh, "What am I doing?" And then the, the fish guy's like, eh. "Well." Uh- well, it's probably a, a, an awkward moment for the fish dude because, like, remember, Mandalorian hurt himself with a dark saber, and so he's probably like, "Who is this beat up hurt guy in here?" Mandalorian dude's bleeding from his leg on an elevator. Like, what are you doing, man? I I get it, but Din Djarin does find the armor. He finds this apartment complex with the whole ground floor bunker thing. Like, I that 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 was kind of confusing to me. Like. The armor has this entire fortress down under this ring somewhere, and um, it reminded me a lot of like Coruscant, like it had like layers, and there was like there's um uh what's the word what's the word I'm looking for like the crime at had a lot of that Coruscant vibe. But what but what yeah. gets me is it's such a small door, like it's such a small looking place when he goes in. Like, do you think the people around them, the apartments around them, do they have that kind of room? Like, I mean, I I hate to, like, take us out of, like, the experience of the uh, Mandalorian slash Book of Boba Fett. But, like, do you think all those apartments have that kind of experience? I don't. Like, where are you going to put the stuff? I mean, seriously. No, it was it was definitely weird. Um, going back <laughs> Going back to Harry Potter, it was like the enchantment that Arthur Weasley had on the tent in... Um, Goblet of Fire, where they walk into the tent, and it's like a whole freaking house. That's right. I mean, so you like, would say it's bigger on the inside, right? Yeah, Doctor or, Who is bigger on the to inside. Go, or to go with the times in Kanto, the rooms are way bigger than any room should be. It's bigger on the inside. Like, it's crazy. It made, made no right sense. Now, I, I forgot. I forgot that they were in just like a room until he came back out. I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, and very he weird. Comes to, so he comes down to the armor, and the armor is like, 
tend to him, right? And he's talking to Paz Vizsla because that is the only other person in the entire room slash apartment slash compound slash whatever the heck this thing is. He tends to the Mandalorian and they're talking about um, kind of like the season one end of Mandalorian where all the Mandalorians come out and help Din Djarin escape, right? And he says, I thank you for your um, efforts or whatever. And Paz Vizzle's like, of course, you're, you're a Mandalorian, blah, 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 blah. And then we get some really deep storytelling here. We get the armor. She shares uh, her knowledge about the Darksaber, that Tar Vizsla made the Darksaber, that the Mythosaur is supposed to herald the new Mandalorian Empire or the new Mandalorian um, ascendancy or whatever's going to happen with the Mandalorians. And I had missed that in my first two viewings, but on the third one, that's like, oh, okay, you can't think of these as two different independent stories. Book of Boba right. Fett and The Mandalorian are all telling the tale of the rise of Mandalore. Right. How the heck you, how the heck you watch it three times? Right. I was going to ask you how many seen times it twice. you watched it. I've I, seen it one and a half. I watched I it, it once. once. Me too, Molly. And it I was with it a once. toddler, so I couldn't give it my full attention. It's all right. We we still we still value your opinion. I watched it one and a half Thanks. times. I literally made it. I watched it the first time on Wednesday. I went back today. It is Friday for everyone listening. I went back today and watched it and made it to like the uh, where she uncovers the N one starfighter. So like I'm, I think most of the information of this episode is in the first half or in the first you know. I also think quarters. I need to preface what I just said. So the mythosaur is that sigil we see on Boba Fett's right or left pauldron. I can't remember which one, but Correct. You know, he's had it since you know episode five. So the rise of the mythosaur is an allegory to Boba Fett, right? It it may be. Uh, maybe it's not a literal mythosaur. It might be Boba Fett himself. It I- is his his ascension, either coming back from the dead or his rise as a power again, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I think now I look at these as two stories that are all pointing in the same direction, and I feel less mad about the fact that this episode was basically a Mandalorian episode. So I've never thought about that, Diedrich. And I, I, I think you might have some merit there, but at the same time, I'm, I do think that it might be too deep for Star Wars. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, I love Star Wars, but it's not incredibly deep all the time. Sometimes it can be. I'm not saying it can't be. But that is a deep cut, and I, I think there's some very deep themes in Star Wars, and we'll go on that another episode. But. Well, there there are there are like but how it's really subtle. Jinjarin is questioning himself, which is why he can't wield the dark saber properly. Dang, she done brought it back to you. What do you think about that, Deidre? Literally, after we did the whole Kyber Crystal conversation, I kind of came around. Did y'all not notice that? We did. Yeah. Nope. We noticed. We lost we I did. Guys. I, I don't, I'm about to say, I think Molly had stepped away when we had the big Kyber Crystal revelation. So we also get that um, the Beskar spear should should not be in a weapon. Beskar should only be armor. Never should it be made Second as a problem. spear. Yeah. I mean, they He's look- already made weapons. Well, it would ex- it would explain the color because nobody else's saber is like pewter. Yeah, but she's talking about the spear. She's not talking about the the dark saber. Oh, she's the spear. cool. Sorry. Yeah, she's Mommy. cool with the dark. She's cool with the dark saber being a weapon. It's made of Beskar. Why is she not cool with the spear? 
Here's my issue, though. She's already forged the Whistling Birds, which are made from Beskar and their missiles. So if her <laughs> big deal is that we can't have weapons made from Beskar, well, she's already breaking her rules. I really don't like the armorer. The more we go on, like, she breaks her own stuff all the time. She's very inconsistent. Well, dude, she's she's pretty much a leader of a cult. And if we know anything yeah, about I'm leaders gonna say, of a cult... Yeah, I'm going to say she's a cult leader. Dude. She... She makes her own rules as she goes. Like that's that's the whole thing about right. a cult. Look. Well, I I agree with Dietrich. I don't think I like her. I was thinking that the whole time while I was watching this because I was like, I can't I can't see your face, so I can't tell if you're being snarky or if you're just like really prim and proper. But like I I felt like she was being snarky. Yeah, might like, just be female I, I intuition. I don't know. So this is this is what I've really wanted on this show is the female intuition. Oh, I, you heard it from Molly. You can't trust a female if they have an armor capability. You can't. That you can't. is if they, if they not mask, what I said. If they, you can't trust <laughs> anyone if you can't see your face. Oh, okay. So the female intuition is that the armor is just not a good person. Like, and I I agree. Like watching these scenes. And even back when we're in the Mandalorian, like she seems just so, she's so bent on no one taking off their mask, no one doing this or no one doing that. You're not Mandalorian if you do this, or you're not Mandalorian if you do that. When all other Mandalorians take off their mask, when all other Mandalorians that are outside of like the Death Watch, that's that's the cult, right? Um, no, the watch, the watch, the watch. The watch. Death Watch is not just the watch. Yep. Very the watch. Death Death Watch in the animated series took off their helmets. No problem. They're dead. They're That's also true. dead. But right. Well, I mean, now I'm starting to wonder if she and um, I'm gonna say his name wrong. John Favreau's character, Paz Vizsla. Uh, yeah, that one. I wonder if she was prompting him to challenge Jinjarin for the Darksaber because she wants it for herself. It seems staged to me, too, but I don't yeah. know. He was, he was really kind of robotic about his, his way it of... It was com- awkward. It was. It was very awkward. Like, he came out of, like, left field, like, my ancestor forged this. I need this. Yeah, let I me, was, was kind of caught off guard. The Vizslas would know. The Vizslas would know that, though. That, that's, well, I mean, it's fine if it runs in his family, but like, still, it was just like awkward because he was quiet up until then. And then he was like, oh, "What I didn't I like about that fight, I didn't like that there were several times where Paz almost killed Mando, and she didn't stop it. But as soon as he got the upper hand and was about to slit some throats, she was like, "Oh, we gotta stop, guys. We got we're all friends here. We gotta <laughs> chill out." Right. A well, bit. okay. So you've brought up their fight, and now. I'm I'm gonna pull a Dietrich and I'm gonna say what my beef is with this episode. Yes. I, <laughs> I smell the beef. Pull a Dietrich. Pull a Dietrich. I got I got a I got a gripe. I got a gripe. I felt like the fight choreography was so clunky. Oh my rigid. gosh! Like I I know that their armor is pro- like you can't be a beautiful, pretty, pretty swan in that armor, but I felt like that fight scene. The choreography was just so clunky and weird. Like, I, I felt like that fight did not go smoothly. That was an excellent point, Molly. I wanted to bring that up, too, because we've seen in Book of Boba Fett, a lot of times we, we criticize the fights for being a little too Power Rangers, a little too karate. Yeah. But 
this is going the opposite direction because we got two armored soldiers. They're like knights going at each other. And that's, I think, why it's clunky. I think you're right. I felt like it would be me trying to fight somebody in bubble wrap. Like it just it it wasn't pretty. So I, I do like I do like the fact that the Mandalorian was clunky with his fighting because he's fighting with the dark Oh, and he saber. has a boo-boo on his leg. I forgot. Yeah, he's it's healed by then. Yeah, it's healed they by then. They spray it with Bacta. Yeah. Right, well, I mean, it like instantly cauterized. But still, I mean, he's he's a little clunky because the, the Darksaber's heavy. We've already established that. He's not good with it yet. Like, he he's not used to that. But I think that Paz Vizsla should be a lot more... Uh, fluid with his motions like he's not using weapons that he hasn't used before right like he should be able to take out the mandalorian using a new weapon that he has never used and he's never used a weapon really like the dark saber and i also don't feel like that little shield that we've seen before in um clone wars and rebels the little shields they have the little blue circles i don't think yeah. it would really hold up to a strike from a dark saber that was or, right or a it was really was tiny thrown. And at least not like a couple times. Like, how many times have you got to hit that thing before it's like out? And it got yeah, that really had me like studying. Okay, well that's best car, and I that's that this that's that kind of metal. So paper beats scissors, scissors beats rock, and you know I'm trying to figure out what beats what. Best car plus fight. beats best car like normal. Yeah, <laughs> but rock uh, paper and, scissors and, best car. This is this is the game now. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. And the fact that the armor stepped in the middle of the fight and was like, hey, have you ever taken off your helmet as a Mandalorian? <laughs> that it was weird. So weird. weird. Yes. It was so weird. Okay, I'm going to go stereotypical and say that that was like a really like petty woman thing to do is to bring up something like completely random in the middle of the fight. I'm Molly gonna, said it. I'm fessing yeah. up. I've done it. I've done I'm it. I'm agreeing. But like... I'm agreeing. It just felt so random. What I didn't like is the fact that he's going back to this coven, even though he's seen the greater universe and other Mandalorians who are like, that's crazy, bro. Yeah. Like his character evolution should tell him that, oh, maybe I'm actually in a cult and I shouldn't feel these strange like rules apply to me, even though I know that they don't at the end of the day because I I broke them to free somebody I care about. So I Grogu. So I think the whole plot or excuse me, I think the whole idea of him telling the armor yeah, I've taken off my helmet was pretty much a play to that, Diedrich. Like, he pretty much said, look, I'm here because I know you guys, and this is what I grew up in, and this is how I know the Mandalorians to be. However, I have seen a change. And this is, and I'm telling you now, I've seen a change. So I've taken off my helmet. I've shown Grogu. I've shown Bo-Katan. I've shown... Uh, but he shows remorse. He he still he, does. he still feels like he has done wrong, and I feel like his character arc should say, eh, "I'm the king of the Mandos now. I have the dark saber. I can do what I want." Well, like, that's that's true, but he's been conditioned his entire life by a cult, right? He's been conditioned his entire life yeah. under this kind of tyranny that if you take off your helmet, you're not Mandalorian. If you do this, you're not Mandalorian. If you're you know, compassionate at all, you're not Mandalorian. If you show any this, this, that, and other, you're not Mandalorian. So, I mean, the first, um, what, he's probably, what, 30 at this point? 30, 35, maybe? He was saved during the, he was a kid during the uh, 
the great Galactic Civil Adam War because we see him get right. Yeah, we right. So, so he's, we see him he's, get ru- saved. he's a he's a kid. He could be. I mean, from like five to doggone twelve, right? So he's he's maybe thirty to thirty five years old. He's been raised a majority of his life in this cult. So I mean, that's 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 what he knows. Yeah. I mean, can can you blame him for going back to a safe place after he's gone to all these crazy events in his life? I mean, I I don't know that he would right. be so ready to jump off the ledge. You know, was it safe for him to go back there? No, I don't was think it, it was safe. He he got attacked. I mean, <laughs> he did he did get attacked. However, maybe he thought it was safe to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he you know he was he was actively searching for the armor. We can tell that he was doing bounties to find these people. Yeah, and kind of like what Molly's been saying earlier is, like, he's trying to find himself without Grogu now, so he's going, like, when you break up with your girlfriend, you long for a happiness from the past. You, you go back to his ex-girlfriend. Even though it may not be the best situation to be in, you go back to it. <laughs> That's not healthy. Are you speaking from uh, life experience, Wesley? <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of, like... <laughs> well, ever since I left Mace Windu, I, I, well, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Oh my! It, it's been a lot on his mind, Wesley. We, we're we're with you, man. We're here for you. If you ever want to talk, we we know you love that man. And just just, pre- it just might stop not, me from making mistakes. It might not be the best situation for you, but but we love you. But I agree. Like <laughs> he, this is all that the Mando knows. Like well, to go it, back there was kind of a safe place for him, even though he got attacked. Even though. They, they they disowned him. Like they said, you're not even a Mandalorian anymore. Like not not you're not part of the Watch. You're not part. You're not a Mandalorian even. And the way he describes it in the very next scene is he said it's part of my religion when he's talking about his weapons and he's talking about being a Mandalorian and seen as a religion. So by them, you know, him taking off his helmet and stuff, touching back with that, um, it's like he's sinned against his religion, if if you will, and put it into perspective, you That's know, right. and so. It's like okay, yeah. you've you've broken our rules, you've broken our covenant. Now we're casting you out, type of thing. You know, excommunicating well, think, from the church. I think there's being Mandalorian, which think about like greater Christianity is like okay, we all read the Bible, but there's Catholicism, there's Protestantism. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like there's there's certain things that a certain religion would all have in common, but then you've got this like really devout group that's you know maybe like think of them as more like the Amish, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the the children of the Watch, as they're called, are like, yeah, this is a. Uh, they see themselves as the true Mandalorians, and they see the ones that take off their helmets uh, as not Mandalorians. So, in their eyes, when he took off his helmet, it was like them that he was no longer a Mandalorian. So, I do want to to go back for a moment before this fight. We do get a lot of background on the Night of a Thousand Tears, is what it's called. And this is when the man, uh, Mandalore was pretty much devastated, destroyed, bombed, whatever the Empire did to it. We see a whole lot of explosions. It seems like Mandalore is not that even was a great scene. habitable. Do what? That was a really great scene. I mean, I, had, I have a lot of problems with this episode, but there are some things that are absolutely spectacular. Well, I think this is the first time we've got any background on what happened to Mandalore. Like, we, we leave off in kind of Clone Wars Season 7, where Darth Maul is captured like you know Mandalore's met through his own devices and then we go to Rebels and Bo-Katan is in rule she's been given the dark saber which we find out was a bad thing the armor even says like if anyone was given the the dark saber and didn't earn it like bad things are going to happen 
and Bo-Katan yeah. took it as a gift, bad things happen. We got that background. And then bad things happen. The Night of a Thousand Tears, the Empire comes in and pretty much bombs the entire place. And that's another aspect to what I've been trying to say is all of these stories are, are essentially leading to the rise of a new Mandalore. And it it's does. Like a prophecy has been fulfilled and all of these ancient things from like King Arthur, you know, think of like old fantasy, which is what Star Wars really is at the end of the day. Yeah, and it, I think it's funny that we've never heard about these like prophecies before now. It's kind of weird to bring these up, of course, in the middle of the Book of Boba Fett when it's not even supposed to be about the Mandalorian, but we, we get this information. And it's good information. I love the information. Um, later I'll get, in, I'll get into it, but I, I don't really care that it's in the Book of Boba Fett as much as something else. But this is the first time we really find out what happened to Mandalore. And I would argue that's also important to know to better understand Boba Fett. Correct. And what he might be trying to do. You know, Star Wars, they always love their uh, prophecies, so they had to bring something in here, you know, since the... Uh, this. Since we're done with the whole uh, Chosen One prophecy, now we're getting a Mandalorian Chosen One, because why not? Yeah, it's, it's classic right. fantasy. It is. Harry Potter, you know, Luke. It's well, all Anakin, then Luke, then Rey, you know, just pass the torch. Pass it on. Same lightsaber. So uh, yeah, You're right. They pass the lightsaber, not a torch anymore. That, that's what they do. Okay, cool. I'd like to talk about the armor breaks down the Beskar spear. And... She talks about how it shouldn't, Beskar shouldn't be a weapon. It should only be used as armor. Well, Din Djarin says, well, I'd like to make armor for a foundling. And a specific foundling at that, I want to make armor for Grogu. So she breaks down the Beskar spear and makes some kind of armor for Grogu. We don't see what it is. We do see, like, chain links falling. So maybe some kind of mail. I also mail. have a hard time got a hard time believing she used the whole spear yeah it, it looks like she only used the spear head it, it, the way it looks yeah. she saved a lot of that for herself like i i'm i'm, I'm guaranteeing it like 70 percent of that was tax it's it's a mandalorian thing probably but you know this is the way this is the way this is the way this is the way because the uh the little package she gives uh din Djarin is like so small i do like though that the package, when she wraps it, when she wraps it, it looks like Grogu. Yeah, I w I'm, glad you s I'm glad you said that, Blake, because I thought, oh, it looks like Grogu's little head. Yeah, it was cute. I mean, who knows it, what it, it is? A, a friendship necklace. I mean, all I saw were those little... <laughs> a friendship necklace. It's tiny. It's, it's probably all, all it can I saw be. were chain links, so... I mean, it's either a friendship necklace or like a sheath of mithril from it really Lord of the Rings. is small. It really is small. Right. Like I'm like you. You could have made him like three suits of armor from that spear. Like he's really small. Like yeah. But like he, she, she gives him this little package. It looks like Grogu, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's Grogu!" And then what's in it? Like what's in it? Does he have a little like, like, like you said, like is there a friendship necklace in there? Is there, I, I like, think a it's a chain? necklace. It's something. Yeah, some kind of chain with the insignia. insignia of well, what happened to the rest of the spear? Like, what does she do with that? She'll find some use for it. All, all in all, the Mando has brought her so much Beskar and has gotten not as much back, is all I'm saying. I'm just saying, man, the armor, I, the yeah. armor is shady. I'm just going to say that. The armor she, is, she shady. is shady. 
So we kind of jumped back, but now we're going forward past the uh, the Paz Vizsla um, Mando fight. Mando gets on the commercial flight. I think this is hilarious because he he no longer has a Razor Crest. I mean, he's he's just flying with the normal folk, and he has all these weapons. He has to check all these weapons to get on the flight. He has to go through TSA. I was screaming. I was screaming. I was like, don't give them the saber. Don't do it. They're going to steal it. I was it. waiting for it to be stolen, I for it to disappear when he opened the case. That. I was just like, it's gone. I was I was surprised that it wasn't. But, you I know, that would have made for a really the long fact episode. That, the fact that they show that on you know, TV made you feel like something was going to happen, but in reality, nothing happened. Yeah. So I don't know why that was even mattered. I, I really do. I thought he was going to get off the the uh, the commercial flight, get on the Tatooine, open the box, and nothing was going to be in there. Like it was empty. Yep. I just thought the the dark saber was going to be gone. Yeah. Then that that would have been cool too. But while he's on the flight, we see uh, little Greedo, maybe Greedo's kid. Who knows his grandkid? We we don't know what kind of oh, life yeah. Greedo led. Um, he sees little 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 Greedo guy, and we can tell it reminds him of Baby Yoda Grogu. Like he he looks into this little young, um, Rodian face, and then he looks at his little uh Grogu package that looks like Grogu, and it's just it's such it's sad times. Like. He has lost his kid. Like this is this is like the the worst thing ever. I, I felt really bad for the Mandalorian at this point. Okay. Another reason why I think they're going to bring him back instantly. I think I think he's flying back with Grogu. It's going to happen. I I didn't make that connection with the little kid Greedo. Well, he's even green. Um, but... He's green like Grogu. Like he's green. Yeah. But now, now that you mentioned like like okay, I can see the parallels there. What I was thinking when I saw it was, uh, what are we going to call this guy, kiddo? No, he's Greeno. Greedo's his dad. It's Greeno. Greeno's oh, kid. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, Greeno. I mean, maybe his experience with Grogu has opened his perspective to the fact that there is more than just, this is the way out there. So maybe... And that's why I was upset that he just went back to his abusers, you know? Well, I mean, we see how that panned out. I know. Well, maybe now this has opened up his horizons. Like, he's going to do some yeah. work with Boba Fett. Spoiler alert, if you hadn't watched it all, we're going to go to the end. But he, he he's going to do some work for, for Boba Fett. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And I think, obviously, it's going to lead to the reclamation of Mandalore. Like, that's, that's where we're headed with, with all of this. But he lands on Tatooine. This this is this is where like the episode gets fun, right? Like we've had some really sad times up to this point. Um, there's been a lot of killing, a lot of um, thousand tears of the night with the Mandalorians. There's been a lot of fighting, and now it's happy times. We're on Tatooine, which I've never I never thought I would say happy times on Tatooine because that's pretty much a, a crap hole. Um, but he lands and he goes to see his his very best friend, the mechanic Pelimoto. Or Mato. I don't know how you say her name. Moto. I want to say Moto. She did really well this episode. I, I enjoyed her. I, I love her character in general. I love anytime she's coming in. I love it. She reminds me of my eighth grade science teacher. <laughs> she does have science teacher vibes. She reminds me of the female mechanics in my hometown. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the same thing, right? 
So one one of the things that stands out to me at the beginning of the scene where he comes, well, he hadn't he hadn't got there yet, but uh, the BD droid getting taken by the Womp Rat, right? The BD droid. I love BD droids. I think this is the first time we've seen one in live action. Am I wrong? Right. They're it introduced the in Fallen Order. Correct. The video game. Correct. But this this little B I, I look that's probably one of my favorite droids thus far in the Star Wars universe. Like it's it's versatile, it's useful, it inflicts emotion. Um I don't know. I just I just like the B D droid and I, I hate that it gets <laughs> he gets mauled by a womp rat for a little bit, and then there's this there's this whole like weird scene where Peli Moto is like trying to shoot the Womp Rat and trying to like save her BD droid, and then like she she's getting eaten by a Womp Rat. I don't think we've ever have we ever seen a Womp Rat before now. We did see a Womp Rat. Oh no, wait, never mind. That was the same episode because we do see another one in Beggar's Canyon later when he's testing the Starfighter. Right, but we haven't seen one. I was concerned. This. <laughs> I was real good. Like, it got me for a second. I was like, are we going that serious? But I, I was. Yeah. I was worried. Like the Womp Rat is not that big. I mean, it's probably about right. the size of like a, a small dog. Like, I, I'm not going to like, get taken down by a small dog. Like, I'm going to kick it in his face. You know, like, what? Is she not able to handle it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're I mean, rougher was, than we know. She is I was really just short. the entire time. I mean, maybe she's not as hard as she seems. Like, she seems like this very world hardened person, but maybe she's just a softie on the inside. But she's this, small we know that but she mighty. Lo- we know that she, she loves Jawas. Oh, well, yes, yeah, we, we oh, do yeah. find that out. So Mando comes in, shoots the Womp Rat, and is basically like, I mean, I pretty much came here to get a ship. Where's my Razor Crest? And she said, well, I didn't really have a Razor Crest for you, but I've got something that I told you would replace a Razor Crest. And, and that was a lie. That was a lie. I will say before this, she does ask where Grogu is. And Mando tells him that she he gave him back to his own people. And she said, this is one of my favorite lines in this episode. He said, well, why'd you do that? I could have made a lot of money off of him in a petting zoo. <laughs> like, the fact that we can see like a little dewback, maybe a little womp rat, a little bantha baby, and then like baby Yoda in a like a little stall for a petting zoo. Uh it, it was it was it was it was kind of funny to me. It was me thinking that Disney was playing off its own, hey, we made a lot of money off of him and we could still do so, so let's bring him back type of deal. Oh yeah. They they've made a ton of money off uh baby Yoda Grogu. Especially from I, They I'm, still are. There's I a whole that, okay, I don't know I don't know if y'all know this cuz y'all are dudes. But there's a whole there, there are two eyeshadow palettes that are based off of the Mandalorian series, and really? I have one. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> you have one. Yeah. Well, go put it on. Let's see it. This, this is the perspective that we're missing. This, this is it, guys. Uh, for all the Dork Wars, the podcast listeners, this is the perspective one of my we've frequently used shades is Tatooine Glimmer. Okay, Ooh. it makes my blue eyes pop. I love it. That's... I like it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a Baby Yoda shirt right now. I know you guys can see it. The listeners can't see it because we're not a video podcast. But I got I got Baby Yoda Grogu on my shirt as we speak. Um, so I so I know Ultis 
Yeah, I know Ulta sells like the Kim Kardashian eyeliner stuff where all the hoes go get it. So now they got the baby <laughs> you. Grogu. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, Wesley getting so saucy. It's ColourPop, just to correct you, that does the Mandalorian makeup. Thanks. So, uh, flashing forward a little bit, Pelomoto unveils the starship that she has that replaces. The Razor Crest, and it is not nearly as big or nearly as powerful, but it is just as fast. She uncovers an N1 Starfighter from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, commissioned by the Queen of Naboo herself. Like, th- was it not as great as the Razor Crest? I-, I don't know, but I love seeing this ship. Like, it's it's pretty much like dismantled and destroyed at this point. Like, it's a shadow of its former self. It's not even yellow. It's not even very yellow. I love right. seeing the ship. No, I, I freaked out. I freaked out. I was really excited. Like, I was I was iffy going into the whole Boba Fett series because I wasn't one of the people who was like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this for forever. Like, growing up, Boba Fett was just the figurine that E.T. ate, and that was it. So I was iffy going into the series, but I was super excited when I saw the N1 Starfighter because I, I recognized it. It was cool. Right. Here's my butt. A bounty hunter is going to need to be able to drag people back in warm. How are you going to do that? He's going to drag them back in cold and put so, in that little baby Yoda, the little baby Yoda compartment. So that brings me to say, like, yeah, this is all pointing to the fact that Mandalorian is not going to be a bounty hunter anymore. He's going to be, he's going to go on this arc of becoming a Mandalore. I mean, yeah, well, he was a bounty hunter, but he, they never really played on that in the series past him getting Grogu. I mean, I would, I would argue because he definitely has various like people in carbonite in, in the hole of the Razor Crest for a majority of the time he has the Razor Crest. I mean, he's hauling people. Yeah, well, he, he was. They all died in an explosion. Well, yeah. I mean, they yeah, now <laughs> it begs the question: Should the Razor Crest have been named like Slave Two or something? Oh, is that is that too soon? Can I not say that? Can I say? Can I, I not say? I that? don't think you can say that. I can't say that. I'm I don't. Hey, cancel. Disney's not saying you're, that you can. You're canceled once again, Blake. It. So, the the Mandalorian, it, it does seem that Mando is on this this kind of arc to become more than the bounty hunter, and and Boba Fett's on this arc too. So maybe this kind of yeah. coincides with Boba's arc that they're becoming more than bounty hunters because bounty hunters are pretty much scum. Yeah. Like they they're paid to kill people. That's it. They're paid to bring people in, warm or cold or whatever. But now they want to be something more. They want to influence change. They want to be the better part of the galaxy, not just the underworld scum. You know, it it, it really seems that this is where this thing is turning. And that's why I'm now okay with it. Because I, I, I after that third time I watched it, I'm like, okay, these two characters are linked on the same overall path. Yeah. And Boba Fett rising is part of Mandalorian or the Mandalorian's like character arc. And I can ag- so it all kind of works together. I can agree to that at a point, but I will disagree with that later just a little bit, I think. Maybe not entirely, but we'll see. Moving on, we get this like sequence of um Pelimoto and Dinjarin working on the N1 Starfighter. And uh Mando tries to get his money back. Um uh, he tries to tell her, like, this isn't worth anything. And then she's like, well, I got people. I got Jawas. Jawas will get whatever you want. 
And we find out that the Jawas are pretty much like made to order. Like you can get them, give them a list of parts. They'll go get what you want. We find out that uh, Jawas date humans. That's a that's a new one. Um, They're also furry. So my headcanon really is furry. Jawas and Ewoks are the same, <laughs> but Jawas are the ones that survived on Tatooine, and Ewoks survived in the desert and the jungle planet of, of Endor. That that's my headcanon my, now. My mind went there. And, uh, yeah, exactly, Grant. I, one of the things I'm agree 100 percent on with Grant right now. So, so you guys, you guys think there's some there's some bear like creatures under those cloaks, and I that I, I don't With know some big eyes, man. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm I'm a little taken aback. I'm a little cringed out. Like, what did she do with this Jawa? Like, it's it's I'm, I'm she uh she makes her mouth go like. It, like, yeah, okay, she, so she, she may- can, a human can speak Java now. Now we know that it isn't just nonsense; it's actual thing that people can learn. Ding, 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 ding. That's a spaceball reference, but yeah. Um, this is well. It's, didn't we know that people that humans could converse with Jawas when? Um, well, she's the first one to actually use their language. It. I yeah. think. Right. 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 Yeah. But I mean. Wouldn't it make sense for Owen to be able to speak it if he was able to to understand what the Jawas were saying when he said, I agree. W- before he bought that, like, what was it, an R5 unit and then decided to go with R2? Well, it was C-3PO telling him that the R5 was broke and not the Jawas themselves. And then he's like, hey, no, I'm you taking this one. I'm taking R2. But I agree with Molly, though. Mm-hmm. He had to understand the Jawas to a point to know what he was getting. Like, you can't... like. A lot of characters understand Galactic Basic, but they can't always speak it. So I think the other way could be true, too. So a lot of the people who speak Galactic Basic might be able to understand other languages. We see that with Han and Chewie, but they can't necessarily speak Shiriwook. Right. Well, I mean, that's the way that it is. I mean, my husband ordered in Spanish, and my our, our waiter spoke to me in Spanish, and I understood her, but I responded in English because I can't habla fast enough. That's just the way it is. <laughs> no, I totally, I totally agree. Though I think Owen probably can understand it. My my guess is that he maybe can't speak it fluently. Right. It was cool to hear someone who was not of the Java persuasion speak Java, J- Jawanese. What is it? Jawa. <laughs> I like Jawanese. Uh, J- Jawanese. Like well, Jawanese. I will say that the Book of Boba Fett and their captions. I watch it with captions for the podcast. And when they steal all oh, the armor, too. yeah. So when they steal all oh. the armor off of Boba Fett, they are speaking in Jawaese. So the the oh, what was right? Yeah, it's Jawaese. That's that's what I'm thinking. Well, maybe it's because I saw it because I watch everything in subtitles just because my yeah. ADD brain isn't always paying attention. Well, and you don't want to miss anything, man. I, I talking about subtitles. I meant to mention this mention this earlier. Um, when we're on that the halo planet um the people at the table were speaking in hutties so that might i i don't know if that means anything or not but um it was interesting that they right well i i saw that and i was like that person that that creature does not look like a hut mostly because it doesn't look like it weighs 500 pounds but no no. i was very perplexed at that right so it's like that planet's like influenced by the huts in some capacity right well it might might tie back in because, you know, the Huts were in there earlier, so it might tie back in. We may see them go and try and fight the Mandalorian whenever they show up because they feel like they got cheated when he said, I'm going to take this bounty elsewhere if you don't give me what I want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sorry to side, sidebar there, but... 
I don't think those people were like top dogs of anything, though. Well, they may not be top dogs, but they're kind of like foot soldiers. And you know, if they, you if really they go think to they war, feel like they were cheated. I mean, they by, do. He was the, threatened. He, Din Jarden threatened, said, "Hey, I'm going to take my bounty elsewhere if you don't take it and tell me what I want." Yeah. So he was kind of like trying to, you know, he, he, as 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 a underworld person, he probably felt like that he got cheated, and it's like, how dare he make a fool out of me in front of all my friends? I'm going to kill him now. Right. So flash forward from that, we're we're at the scenes where the uh, the Mandalorian and. Uh, Pelimoto are working on the N1 Starfighter because Mando wants his money back. He doesn't want this ship. And she basically says, just let me get it running and decide at the end. And she says she could use some help on it. Well, Mando has nothing else to do in his entire life. So why not help her? So Mando pretty much does all of the work, it seems like. He's <laughs> under the Starfighter. And this is one of the funniest scenes to me. Mando is working with the little droids and he's telling them to like hold the flashlight in the right place. It really reminded me like of my dad. Like I know most of you have done work with your dad and they're like hold the flashlight. Nobody wants to hold the flashlight. It's the worst. Heck no, dude. You never do it right. You never put, never do it you right. never put it in the right place. Like you never put it right in the right place. I know Grant I know Grant has to. Like my dad and his dad are like best friends. So like he, he Grant knows the pain. It seems like Diedrich knows the pain. Like if you're if you're a dad and you ask your kid to hold a flashlight, they're never gonna hold it right. And that's the vibe I got off this scene. <laughs> like it's so subliminal, but is hilarious. I'm about to say my dad got smart and got a headlamp, so he didn't have to rely on me anymore. Smart man. I wouldn't rely on my you dad either. was a musician. There was no there was no mechanic stuff going on. That's unfortunate. I'm a musician, and I still have to work on my own cars. <laughs> but anyway. Bro, my husband's in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, me, me and James have a lot in common. Love that, man. Um, so go, going forward, Mando and Pelimoto get this N1 Star-Class fighter up to snuff. It's now like all chrome. It's super fast. It has its own hyperdrive. It doesn't even need a ring. Um, a starfighter ring to go into hyperspace, which is totally cool. And that was that was an interesting thing to that bring was up. Standard. No, so in one in one starfighters, we know don't need a ring because we see it in yeah. episode two when they're flying in with the queen ship before it blows up. Correct. And on a coruscant, so that's never been an issue. So that was an interesting thing to bring up. But it was a good callback. It's a good callback. She says that before they fix it up, as like, hey, it doesn't even need a ring to go into hyperdrive. Trying to sell it to him. It's like a used car salesman. It's like, this puppy can get 35 miles per gallon highway. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so it pre it's pretty much going to do that before it's been modified. So that's a great feature. I feel like Diedrich has something to say. He's holding his microphone. Maybe not. No, that's... you look like you're about to drop some knowledge. I think I think, I think Grant I think Grant's right. He, she was just trying to like give selling points. It's like, oh, this baby doesn't even need a thing. Yeah, she she's just trying to. You sell see the this thing. turbo right here? It's included. Don't even worry about it. It's totally legal. No one ever asks any questions. Smacks the hood, something falls off. Yeah, it, it was it was funny at the beginning, and then she gets all the parts from the Jawas, and she gets this hyperdrive and all these other mechanical things that I can't pronounce. And they put it on the starship, and voila, voila, the the starship's complete. It's beautiful. It's all chrome now. It, they've taken out the droid insert part 
so that some kind of small creature could fit in there. I wonder who that could be. Probably not Grogu, but yeah, it's Grogu. Warwick Davis. <laughs> you're gonna, you're just gonna, you're the head of Always Bounties. <laughs> We're going to get the Futurama version. You just could tear, carry around Han, and Han Solo's head back there, you know? Yeah. Well, Han's, Han's alive at this point, thank you. He doesn't die for another 25 years. You're right. Uh, we're going to take a, a clone of the Emperor's head and just put it there to scare all everyone that he, you know, flies by. Good, good. Eh, 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 stay away! <laughs> so, Mando takes this ship out for a test drive, and this is one of the most iconic scenes of this episode because it mirrors a lot of the pod racing scenes from episode one, which was especially some of our our uh, hosts, their favorite episode. Andrew's not here right now, but Andrew loves some pod racing. That's like, I don't even, I don't even know if he's seen any other episode than episode one because he loves freaking pod racing so much that um, I know this scene spoke out to him. The, just the the scenery. They go to Beggars Canyon, which is the same canyon they went to in the race scene in episode one. It's 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 cool. Like it's satisfying. I was going to say, Diedrich, I know in episode one, one of your one of your things was the pod race took way too long. Is this enough pod racing for you? Is this the right amount? That was one of my things. I, I'm tell- no, it was, it was one, one of mine. One of your things you said the pod. No, it was like, one of mine. Oh, sorry, I thought Diedrich I, would have said it too. I loved pod racing. I love. I w- give me more. I like pod racing. I thought. I thought it was too much in episode one, but I love. I love. Is this enough pod racing for you? So I love pod racing. I'm not going to lie to you. I like pod racing, but I, I feel like it took too much time in episode one. Like we had a lot of pod racing. I think it was cool. We had I, one, we had one, one whole scene. Yeah, but it was a long scene. It was like the longest scene of the movie. Like it was longer than the Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Darth Maul fight. How else is George Lucas supposed to sell video games back in 2001? Well, I'm not saying it wasn't a marketing thing. Like, I like the pod racing. I'm not saying I didn't like the pod racing. I thought it was too long. This is the right amount of pod racing. He's taking it through Beggar's Canyon. He's saying that the that the uh, the steering, the I guess it's steering. What is it? Is it the handling is tight? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's great. It's a good ship. He describes it as a speeder bike. He does. And it goes fast. Yeah. Then he goes into space. And then we get, like, this weird dialogue with the uh, X-Wing troopers. We've seen the one X-Wing trooper. The uh, It seems like the superior guy from Why is this one guy everywhere? Dude, he is like... like he's, I- he's the Nick Fury of the Mandoverse, okay? So you're te- you're telling me this government that can barely function and barely keep the imperial remnants from doing whatever they want to do has two X-wings to spare to go handle Tatooine? Get out of here. My guess is that they're on patrol and this guy's the outer rim chief and he just happens to be wherever he sh- wherever Din Djarin is. And also like why is Din Djarin so scared to be confronted by this guy cuz like, Din Djarin has done some awesome stuff for the New Republic at this point. Yeah, he really has. It's kind of cr- it's kind of crazy yeah. that he's like, oh, I'm, they're going to try to shoot me down. I should leave. No, they're probably trying to give him a medal. Like, I was going to say, he took out Moff Gideon, one of the biggest um, antagonists to the New Republic. I mean, 
And he was working with a, a New Republic sheriff, right? Isn't uh, What's her name? Kara Dune is basically a New Republic like agent, Well, right? she's an ex-shock trooper. I don't know if she's associated with the New no, Republic. She, has, she, got, she the has the badge. She got the badge in Mandalorian Season 2. She has a badge two. now. Oh, yeah, she does. That's true. That's true. But she's not canon no more. They so canceled she, her. Well, Kara Dune, before she got canceled, took in Moff Gideon. I'm sure she probably told the story. Like He should not be running from New Republic forces at this point. Yeah. It just make, doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I guess he's still a quote-unquote outlaw. Maybe he did that under the table, off the books, you know? I, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want the credit. I, I don't I, I don't know. I think what it is is he doesn't want that new ship to get any kind of New Republic, like, tracing, any kind of, like, tag, right? That's he's, he's trying to keep it under the, under the radar, well, right? So that's my only assumption is that he just doesn't want to go report at all who he is and what ship he's flying because he wants it to stay under the radar and nobody to know what that well, ship Pelimoto is. Well, Pelimoto even says that this ship is pre-Empire. That's basically, exactly. that's basically what's one of the coolest things about it. You can't track it. It's pre-Empire. Nobody even knows about it. I got it on a deal. I got it at a gun show. But that was great, man. Like, he takes that ship out, and it's so fast, it can jump into hyperspace. It outruns those X-Wings. Like, the X-Wings, at that point, are astounded. Like, he pulls off from them, and the the one guy goes, like, where'd he go? And he's like, well, he's gone. Like, we can't catch he's up like, with that. Well, it's important because the the rookie guy, I guess I'll call him since we haven't seen him before, is uh he's like did he just go into hyperdrive you know and he's like no those are his sublight engines he's just that fast so Din Djarin comes back to Tatooine most icily lands in um Pelimoto's little hangar area and she tells him that someone came to see him and that someone wanted to offer him a job whatever whatever she kept she kept her out and she engaged all these like defensive mechanisms to keep her out and she wasn't having it. So Fennec Shan just busts up in there because that's who she is. Fennec Shan comes in and she offers Din Djarin the opportunity to help Boba Fett with his little crime war. How does she know where Din Djarin is? She was a former bounty hunter. She has connections. Well, I, and I think See, her job was to hunt people down. I think down. this is weird I mean... too, because did she know about Pelimoto? Like the the assumption is is that she knew that Pelimoto knew Din Djarin and that she would kind of know where he was, right? But how did she... maybe the maybe we have to infer that in the short time that they were together. The Mandalorian at least told a little bit about his background and what he's been up to with Boba Fett and, and Finnick. That's my assumption. It's just that maybe in passing, and like, oh, I know this person at Mos Eisley who I got to fix up the Razor Crest one time. I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, that, that seems to be the assumption. I think that's a pretty bold assumption. But yeah, I mean, that, that has to be it. If not, then what is it? I mean, how, how does she know that Pelimoto would know where Din Djarin was? And happen to even be there like it wasn't even that she knew where he was he was actually there <laughs> and remember this is Moss Eisley not Moss Espa so this is like the other city not close to where Boba Fett's um, power is well that's assumable I don't know where Moss Eisley is in, rele- in relevance to Moss Espa I don't think anyone does but correct well, we never see him make any kind of claims to any authority over Moss Eisley that's true I agree with that 
The Mandalorian, Din Djarin, meets with Fennec, and Fennec pretty much asks him to help Boba Fett in his crime war. And Din Djarin is totally on board. Fennec tosses him some coins like he's going to do it. The Mandalorian, Din Djarin, tosses them back and says, it's on the house. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be humble here, kind of, but maybe not, because I called it. They're bros. Boba Fett and Din Djarin are bros, man. Like they, they're cool, man. Like he's gonna do it on the house for him. I like it. Bros before hoes, and their paths are now linked along the same trajectory. They are, and I agree with that. And this is what makes this episode a little bit better for me. I'm gonna get into it in my review, but uh, not. uh, It makes it better. But yes, it seems like they're on a path to ascendancy. They're no longer bounty hunters. They're going to make the galaxy better. At least until the sequel trilogy. If that happens in this universe, who knows? I was going to say, if that is the same universe we're seeing. Correct. There is still a jury out there that says that maybe this is a separate universe than the sequel trilogy. I'm not going to say it is. I'm not going to say it isn't. Because I don't want to be on the wrong side of history, but uh, <laughs> may- maybe so. Don't be rude. Let the guest go first. Well, no, I was gonna let her go last. I, I really want, um, I I really want Molly t- to like kind of like soak in what you guys think before she gives her thing. Like, I I don't want to put her on the spot. You know, I don't want to scare her away. Okay, for future. Well, I kind of already thought about this because y'all's number system is screwy. Like, I know we're, (laughs) I know most of us are musicians and we only count to four, but let's decide (laughs) on a number system, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So, so Molly's going to come into our podcast, our group of people, and she's going to normalize a number system. All right, Molly, what, what do you think? What, what should we do? I think 10 (laughs) is a broad enough scale. Five is way too condensed. I've tried it. I've tried Ten, it. Yep. Ten's good. Ten, Ten gives us some room. Ten's good. So yes. I know I know Andrew isn't here right now in the in like the physical. Um, he is here as a force ghost. I see him in my mind's eye, kind of in my natural eye right now. Well, well, let's let's just get down to it, Molly. What is your what is your rating out of ten for the Book of Boba Fett, Episode Five, Return of the Mandalorian? So, Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5. I give it a 5. But Mandalorian, Season 2.5, I give it a 10. You got to look at it as two different things. You can't just say, okay, so it's, is this a Book of Boba Fett episode? Because that's going to really like change my number. Or is this a Mandalorian episode? Yep, different scales. So Molly, I think I think Deidre kind of like just just freaking scrapped what you said about Mandalorian two point five. What what do you think about Mandalorian two point five? Well, I mean, I enjoyed it. It got me energized for Mandalorian season three, but I still maintain it was not a Book of Boba Fett episode. It was a fun little detour. But the only thing that was Book of Boba Fett about it was Fennec Shan's appearance at the end. Right. And I can totally agree with that. Um, I, I see where you're coming from, but I'll get into that on my review. 
Let's go to the elusive one. Grant, what do you think about the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 5 Return of the Mandalorian? Well, uh, Molly stole my joke. I was going to immediately do that as soon as I was given my ratings. But for the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 5, The Return of the Mandalorian, I, I will give this a solid 6 out of 10. Um, I, just because, uh, eh. I mean, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the episode. But as of Mandalorian season 2.5, uh, or, you know, 2.5, the extended cut of season two, whatever you want to call it, um, I definitely give it like a 10 out of 10. Like, it, it was so good. It set up so much in such a short amount of time. And I feel like we can get immediate payoffs in this and not have to wait an entire season before Moff Gideon decides, hey, I'm actually going to fight you now. Actually, two seasons before we actually see him actually fight, you know, somebody. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great Mandalorian episode and uh, just shows that the greatness of Mandalorian still exists, even with the, not, I'm not going to say failure, but the differences within the Book of Boba Fett. All right. Well, I thought you were going to have a little bit different take on that, but um, I'm surprised because I, I know that you're a Mando fanboy. I know that you love the Mandalorian, and I know that you gave like the Mandalorian side, like, that was an amazing episode. Um, but I enjoyed the Mandalorian. I said 10 out of 10 for the Mandalorian right, I know, episode. I know. Like, I know you but, did, I, and, I, and I'm there with you, but I was surprised that you didn't like that it was in the Book of Boba Fett, but... I feel like that's something that we're all going to agree I, it's on. It's definitely the best. It's the best book of Boba Fett episode. But if I'm looking at book of Boba Fett as a whole, it's just like sad that the best episode is the Mandalorian episode I mean, in a whole other series. I agree with you. It is. It is probably the best episode thus far as episodes go. Just because the Mandalorian has two whole seasons on the book of Boba Fett, like he has so much going for him right now, anyway. He he has so much that can happen that Boba Fett has almost nothing. Like he just has that scene at the end of Mandalorian season two where he shoots Bib Fortuna and you don't know what happens after. Mandalorian, um, Din Djarin has the reclamation of Mandalore. He has where is Yo uh baby Yoda Grogu going? Where's what's what's happening with uh the Darksaber? He has so much going for him that any episode with him in it is mainly gonna be about him. So Going forward, Wesley, what is your thoughts on the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, The Return of the Mandalorian? What's your rating? So, when I review this episode, I'm going to give it like a generic Star Wars media scale, right? Okay. Um, so, on yeah, based on that, I'm going to give it like a good 8 out of 10. Ooh. Um, because... Yeah, like that's a good grade because it it felt like Star Wars to me. Um, you know, director Bryce Dallas Howard, um, came in and directed a couple episodes in previous Mandalorian Mandalorian seasons. Then this episode, it it didn't throw a whole lot of like pink mopeds at you and <laughs> and like, just out outlandish things like that. It felt like Star Wars, and it it, it had like a blast from the past of. Phantom Menace, and you know it. It took place on Tatooine, which was a very iconic place for the pod racing. And that's like when you think about Star Wars, that's the place you think about is that pod racing, um, and the Phantom Menace. Um, then, and yeah, the N one Starfighter that was that's a cool ship. Everyone likes that. 
I will say, uh, just go ahead and let Bryce Dallas Howard just direct a Star Wars movie and see what happens. Yes. What do you mean? Like, in a good way or a bad way? I, I think she'd do a great job of it. I, I want them to yeah. give her the green light to direct a Star Wars movie and see what happens. Because I think it would oh, be yeah. really... I think, I think we could see a Rogue One caliber movie out yeah. of her. So I can agree with you, Wesley. There was a lot of nostalgia in this episode. The M1 Starfighter... The uh, the pod racing, like, shot-for-shot shot Beggar's Canyon scene, that was cool. Like, it really spoke to me. I know all of us on this call kind of grew up in that era where the prequels were kind of like our childhood, right? Like, we knew about the originals. We saw the originals. But the prequels came out when we were very, very young. So it was a lot of good callbacks. And I really appreciate that they did this in this episode. And not just a callback. It even gave us depth of, like, um, the dark saber, and so gave us a lot more information. So it's a useful ep- episode. Like it's very informative. Yeah, it really seems like this episode was kind of all over the spectrum. We had prequel, um, lore kind of call back to. You have original trilogy lore kind of call back to what happened in there, and then right after the Empire, like kind of all that what would happen in there as well. It was it was a good episode overall. It was a very good episode. So, Diedrich, your thoughts on The Mandalorian, Chapter 5, The Return of the Mandalore. Or, excuse me, The Return of the Mandalorian. If I look at it as a Book of Boba Fett, it's a 3. If I look at it as, as Book of Boba Fett is not its own entity, but a, an addition to the story of The Mandalorian, I give it like a seven. I still had a few issues with the inconsistencies of the characterization of the armorer and some of the things she pulls and a little bit of how he perceives the starfighter. But overall, it's a good episode. Definitely higher budget this episode than a past That's what it seems. You can definitely tell. Yeah. They really gave them a little more carte blanche to do what they needed to do to really give it that grand scale. Um, so I love that. I love a lot of the cinematography. I love seeing the N1 back in action. Um, I love the character. I can't remember her name, but the person who puts the N1 Pilamoto. back helps you know, Jaren do that. Right. Um, but I, there are still issues with it. If I'm looking at it as a continuous story with the Mandalorian, a lot higher. Right. And I didn't feel that way up until my third viewing. So that's where I stand on it. Awesome. I, I get that. Um, it, it's a complex episode. Like, there's a lot of things going into it. My review. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to my review now. Um, as a book of Boba Fett episode, I'm gonna give it like a two. I mean, seriously, there's no Boba Fett in it. It doesn't expand on the Boba Fett story. It has nothing to do with anything we've seen in the first four episodes. I mean, that's that's just facts. I mean, that's just how I feel about it. As The Mandalorian Season 2.5, like we've talked about, it's great. Like, it's, it's an amazing episode. We get a lot of backstory. This is where we get the background on Mandalore. What kind of happened? Like, the Empire came in and bombed all of Mandalore. Why didn't we get that in Mandalorian Season 2 or Season 1 or in the cup, upcoming Season 3? Like, I feel like that is a Mandalorian-specific thing. This just seemed like a quick little detour, like Molly was saying. Like it's it's a fun little detour. 
yes, their paths are kind of the same way. Like we are heading to a place where the Mandalorians are coming to ascendancy. I like that. But to have the Mandalorian the main focus of this episode, like it, it there's no Boba Fett. There's he is literally the main character. This is a Mandalorian episode in the middle of Book of Boba Fett. It's a two for me. But as the Mandalorian, if this was a Mandalorian episode, I'd give it a solid nine, like an eight or nine. Just because of the backstory, because of the cool scenery from uh, episode one, it, it really kind of appealed to all fans, not just people who love the old stuff or the new stuff or the stuff in the middle. It, it, it really appeals to everybody. So Book of Boba Fett, it's a two. As a Mandalorian episode, it's wanna, a nine. I want to add one more thing that I've been saying for a couple episodes now, and I still feel like it holds true, is that I don't worry about Boba Fett and his little group. There's no real threat. No. And now that there's this prophecy, oh, psh, he's fine. Yeah. And I'm worried about that. I, I think the rest is going to suffer for the rest of Book of Boba Fett. There's no real villain. And now that he's got... The Mandalorian on his little squad. He's got Black Kersantan. Um, he's got his, his Gamorreans who have been more useful than you would have ever thought. He's got his little group of like speeder bike kids. The Mighty you know, Morphin Power Kids, man. Go, go, Power like, even if there's like a thousand pikes, I don't know. I still I don't feel threatened. There's nothing to really make me worry about the continuation well, of this. Well, I'm, like, I'm with you there. And you have to see our Facebook and Instagram to kind of look at what I think is going to happen. But I, I made a poster that said, like, uh, the what, what was it? The uh, the uh, bounty. This is the day. This is the day. No, it was before that. It was before that. It was, uh, it was one I posted a couple couple uh, days ago. It was like the bounty strikes back, the, uh, the uh, reunion tour of all the bounty hunters. Like, there has to be, like, Cad Bane, Dengar, Bosk. Like, there has to be, like, some kind of threat that comes against them. I, I can agree with you in that, Diedrich. It's it seems like there there's nothing to like rival this group of people. Like, and I think this episode of of uh the book of Boba Fett kind of overshadows the next two episodes. Like, what can you do to top the information that we got right right in this episode? Like, what can you do? There has to be something major that happens. So luckily, we will find out what happens this next Wednesday when the next Book of Boba Fett comes out. Uh, chapter 6, it has no name yet. We don't know. But it's going to be cool. So let's go on and bring it to Master Yoda for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Mmm. Scrunchy, the word of the week is. <laughs> so, Master Yoda, uh, Scrunchy, uh, we, we really didn't mention it all that much, just in our, our merchandising uh, segment. So, I mean, what, what kind of, what, what stuck out to you there? Hmm. Scrunchies I use sometimes. Long my hairs get. Crazy it is. Yeah, I, I, I can get that. Um, I understand. Um, your wispy little hairs that you have on your head there. <clears throat> yes. So, uh, Ma Master Yoda, it seems 
it seems like you haven't had a lot to say tonight. You've been kind of cold to me. <clears throat> Mad at you, I am. So, so, why, why are you mad at me? <clears throat> Hired Molly, you did, to replace me. No, no, Ma- Master Yoda. We we didn't hire Molly. She's a guest on the show. Like we, we we would never replace you. Like you do a great job with the word of the week. Like, I mean, sometimes you have run-ins with our HR department, and it's it's it gets it kind it gets kind of fuzzy sometimes. But it's it's not that big a deal. <clears throat> Fuzzy, it seems. A little disgruntled, I am. Well, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Uh, people love you. People love you out there. Cancel you, I will. If, if down I go, take you, I will, with me. Well, Master Yoda, I'm, I'm not afraid of you at all. Uh, I, I promise you, I'm not afraid. You will be. Well, with that, we have another great episode of Dork Wars Podcast. We thank you for listening to us. Um, check out our Facebook page. Check out our Twitter. Check out our Instagram. We have a link tree. We have a Discord. We have all of these different things you can check out. We'd love you to check it out. Just type in Dork Wars link tree into Google, and you will find us. It has all our platforms everywhere that we are. We thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a Jawa Persuasion production.